Welcome to the Witty and Gritty Podcast. Hosted by Brooke and Farron. Where you learn a little about a lot. And sometimes a lot about a little. Hey guys, welcome to episode 12 of the Witty and Gritty Podcast. Yeah, so this one is our second of the two in the mini-series all about the Enneagram. We're using the book The Road Back to You by Ian Morgan Cron and Suzanne Stabile. Yeah, so the episode before this was a very brief interview or introduction into what the Enneagram is. So it might be a benefit to go back and listen to that. But if you haven't, you can start here as well. Or if you didn't take the quiz, because it is important to read the book first before you do quizzes, just so you know what you're doing, um, that's okay. You can just dive right in, or you can go back, again, like Farron said, to that little blip to kind of introduce you. We didn't want to overload you with triads and stress and secure and wings. We wanted to do that this episode, so we'll overload you today. Yes, so we're going to start by talking about a couple other components of the Enneagram And then we'll get into talking about some specific number personality types, 8, 9, and number 1. Right. So we talked about, so we're going to talk about triads today. We've mentioned that a couple times. Uh, And so the 9 numbers, remember there's 9, think the clock, and it goes around 9 at the top, going around like a clock, back to 9 at the top again. So we have triads. So the first triad, that's what we're going to talk about today. Those are eight, nine, and one. And that is the anger or the gut triad. Yes. So when it says anger and gut, where do these descriptive terms come from? Okay, so it's interesting because if you ask an eight, nine, or one, and they kind of are well-versed with the Enneagram, that's where decisions come from that's where if you're feeling anxious or stressed or wherever it feels like a punch in the gut literally that's where it's it's all festering kind of which is interesting because we'll get to the other ones so for example two three and four that's the heart triad or the feeling triad so if something happens to them they are they're sad their heart hurts kind of thing uh, anger triad doesn't really know about that as much. Speaking I personally, get that from me, <laughs> right. the way you described that one. At so all. I need to understand two, threes, and fours a little bit better. So hopefully, I, if I reread this book enough, I will be able to empathize better. And then we have our third triad. Those are the fives, sixes, and sevens, and that's the head triad or the fear triad. And so a lot of times they talk about how like their head hurts just either. Because they're the thinkers, the overanalyzers sometimes. Um, they're just drifting off in their thoughts. So that's a lot of brain power going on, too. Right. So that's going back to talk about their motives, why they might think or behave the way they do. Right. We have to remember that the Enneagram is addressing the motivation, not the behavior. So, uh, again, with all those other typing systems we talked about the last episode, this one is the one that addresses why you're doing stuff. So when we talk about eights, why they operate the way they do, it makes a lot more sense than just what they're doing. Yes, and it's good to not only understand sometimes your own motives, which you would think you would know, but like we were saying earlier, understanding the motives of others um, can be beneficial because whether you're married to another number or birth other numbers or have to work with other numbers... There's a lot of benefits from studying more than just your number or your triad, but learning from the triads. Right, and this is one of the books that I feel like I need to reread every couple of years or so, so I can just remind myself of, okay, i got to really remember this is how a two works, or if I suddenly I'm working under a two, I need to remember that that's how they operate, and I need to greet them before I ask them what's going on. So I need to remember those types of things with the different numbers. And that just makes me think of the path between us that Suzanne Stabile wrote. It's all the numbers and how they interact with each other. So you could pick up your copy. I'm sure we'll link it in the show notes. So there's that. But the anger or gut triad, that's the one we're going to talk about today. That's eight nines and ones. But as of right now, that's kind of how triads work. So that's why we're going to address them in that order. Instead of starting at one, we're going to talk about anger triad and then the feeling triad, and then the fear triad. So that's the order of how the next three 
shows will go, including this one. Yep, and if at any point you feel like this is going over your head, I would just recommend from this, this is newer to me um, than it is to my expert over here, Brooke. Not an expert. <laughs> Not an expert. I admire how much she's learned and picked up on the Enneagram, though. Um, I would just recommend hang in there. It'll make sense the more you hear it, and we'll refer back to all these different terms as we go. So right. keep, keep up with this. And the importance of also just reading the book. That's why we recommend the book. That's why we're walking through the book with you guys. So it really is beneficial if you read the book and also get that workbook going. So if you if you missed out on the opportunity because you missed the free one, uh, if you're a subscriber, make sure you go ahead and pick that up in our shop on our website and try to start working through that because that's going to really help kind of put the pieces together, help you figure out kind of what number you are. Hopefully that'll get you some good results at the end. So that's, again, triads, 891-234-567, and we'll break down how all those work later on. Okay, great. So now let's talk about another term we threw out at the beginning of the podcast, which is your wings, like wings on a bird, wings. Right, right. <laughs> okay, so say you are an eight. The two numbers to the right and the left in the circle, those would be your wings. So if you're an eight, there's a nine wing and a seven wing. Or if you're a one, there's a nine wing and a two wing. So just think what are the numbers to either side of it. Those are the wings of the bird, if, if that helps. If the yeah. bird analogy helps. <laughs> so, and we mentioned this in the previous episode Think about colors of a, just like shades of blue. So if fours are blue, which is ironic because fours enjoy feeling blue sometimes. But <laughs> I if see they what you did there. <laughs> fours might understand that here in a little bit. So if you're a four, you can wing over to the three or you can wing over to the five. But every, if you're a four, you're a, say you're a shade of blue. But if you're a four-wing five, you might be a navy. Or if you're a four-wing three, you might be a sky blue. Either way, it's still blue, so you're still four. It just depends on which way you're going to go. So based off of... So you acquire one in childhood. So, or you, you are a number. And you take on one as a child, and you can develop the other one later on. That's typically kind of how that works, but that's not the case to everybody. Because, for example, I'm a number, and I technically have wings but I don't fly I'm like a penguin oh just wall around so <laughs> a lot of times I'm like wow I am the onest one who ever won and then I saw Morgan's number I'm like he's the eightest eight who ever ate it we don't have wings what's wrong with us yeah. so there's no there's no wrong way to be there's no bad number just like there's no bad wing to go to that's just who you are and how you're built and I personally like the wings because I feel like personality tests really some of them out there want to put you in one spot in one category. And the wings are one component of the Enneagram that kind of allow for um, other parts of you to show up in it. Instead right. of saying, like, you you can be a one, two, three, or four. Well, you're a three. Instead, this is like, you're a 3.87 or mm-hmm. a 3.0. Yeah, it just <laughs> takes into account, um, yeah, just how you move about through your life, and then which leads us nicely into stress and security numbers. So if you're looking at the Enneagram, the numbers are all connected with crazy lines and arrows. And if you're looking at a picture of it, that kind of makes sense. So if you are feeling secure, you're going to take on the positive aspects of a certain number that you're going towards. If you're stressed, you're going to take on the negative aspects of the number that's pointing in the other direction. So the one you go to, the way the way the arrow is pointed, that's the one you go to when you're stressed. And the one that it's pointing away from, like if, for example, an 8, if they are stressed, they go to a 5. And if they're not stressed and they're secure, they go to a 2. So again, if you're looking at the image, it makes sense. So when you're feeling stressed, you're going to go to that one number, take on the negative qualities, and those will kind of manifest itself. So let's say you do take the Enneagram quiz or you are reading this book in a certain phase of life and you're feeling a little down, you you might get some skewed results, but that's because you might be feeling your stress number. Mm-hmm. So again, just reiterating, go back and read it later, a year from now, two years from now, see where see how you kind of fit in. They talk about how it's an Enneagram journey. So you're trying to figure out who you are, how you fit in, how you're going to stress out and how you're going to 
What are you going to do when you feel secure? And one of the benefits I really like with the whole stress secure, I can tell if I'm stressed out, I can I notice that I'm taking on those other symptoms, I guess, the negative qualities of a, of a four because I'm a one. So I can feel that oncoming. So we'll talk about that in a little bit because it's not one's turn yet. But yeah. that is kind of briefly the wings, stress, and security numbers. And remember, we are not Enneagram coaches. So if you are an Enneagram coach, have, give us some grace because we're learning this in this process. So yeah. Well, I really like the um, stress and security numbers, too, because I know I'm a completely different person when I'm, like, in work stress, and I'm also, like, a completely different person when I'm, like, stress-free. And so I know, like, as a mom, oh, my gosh, I sit in bed at night sometimes, and I'm, like, replaying the day, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't know what whose mom that was, you know, <laughs> as we were trying to get out the door in the morning or... <laughs> Man, I took the kids to get ice cream. Man, that was awesome, Mom. Yeah. So it is nice, like you said, if it, it's sometimes in hindsight that right. you look back on something, especially the negative, and you're like, crap. Yes. Or you're in the actual moment, and you're like, how the heck did I get here? Right. So it's beneficial if you... Um, can identify a stress number and like you said pay attention to those patterns and then you know the more mindful you become the sooner you can turn those behavior patterns around and you know be your best self right and that's the personal growth factor we want to throw in too just making sure you're self-aware and the Enneagram is a tool that you can use to become more self-aware and how you're going to be when you're stressed or when you're feeling secure and how to hone in on those positives and how to catch yourself like we were saying oh I'm starting to spiral out of control let me go back let me try to figure it out and we won't linger on this too long but I do have one more comment too sometimes um I personally am not like great at telling someone like I'm stressed and I'm like why can't they just see that I'm so stressed (laughs) so even like if you're again in a relationship with someone a parent a workplace scenario if you know someone's number then you can kind of guess that, oh, this is what they look like when they're stressed, even if it doesn't exhibit what you would interpret as being stressed. So it's a very useful tool, like you said, to help yourself um, become a better person, but then also in uh, serving others in ways that maybe aren't always easy to read. Right. I like how you brought up the relationship factor in it too, because if you're listening, you're probably not a hermit. (laughs) So you probably interact with other people at some point. So even for work relationships or if you're trying to network, it's so important to actually be aware of the room and aware of yourself to where you know how to interact with someone. Or uh, just it kind of helps with the social ineptitude there. You can This is a skill you can learn. You don't have to be awkward if you don't. But, I mean, if you're awkward and you like it, you rock it. Yeah, because here we are. Awkward as can be. And rocking it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love it. All right, so the next part in this little introductory is the deadly sin. So each of the numbers has a deadly sin, and we'll address it with each number. It's either your deadly sin or your vice kind of thing. So there are more Enneagram numbers than there are deadly sins. We're aware of that. So it's also kind of the vice thrown in there, as well as the virtue. We'll talk about the virtue. So basically, your blessings and your curses, or if you're really gifted at one thing, it could also be your downfall too. So again, bringing awareness to all of that. Yeah, we all have pros and cons. And um, if you want to, you know, develop your goals and dreams, a lot of times you got to look at, okay, where are my weaknesses at? Right. So it can be uncomfortable, especially the phrasing when I first heard that, like deadly sin. (laughs) And it's like, sin, I'm perfect. I don't know what you're talking about. Right. What is this? Um, But it is, again, it's just a tool. Um, But, you know, if you sit and really kind of think about it and you're honest with yourself, you're like, wow, that's uncomfortably accurate. Yes. And that's, I think that's how everyone feels when they read their number. I feel a lot of the times people understand that, oh, wow, this is mean because this is the most cringeworthy chapter I've read so far. I mean, I still feel kind of cringy when I read my stuff. I'm like, oh, are you sure that's me? I want to be a seven, but I'm not a seven. So No, when I read it, I was like, how do they know? <laughs> are there really other people out there like this? 
That's true. Yeah. The next little section that it has in each chapter talks about how you are in, as a child. So in your childhood, what uh, are you kind of displaying? So that's another little section it has. It talks about how you work in relationships and how you work at work. And it talks about uh, how you can spiritually transform your life as well. So even if the spiritual thing isn't your thing, the back of the chapter has very applicable steps for you. So even if you're not a Jesus person, um, this can still work for you. Yeah, we hope that you'll be or become a Jesus person. Uh, But like earlier too, I know a lot of people have clients that they're constantly having to sell to. Oh my gosh, knowing how to read a client using the Enneagram would be very beneficial. Yes. So without further ado, we're going to get into our anger or gut triad. So that's the eight, nines, and ones. Here we go. Type eight, the challenger. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) (laughs) It was necessary. I wondered if it was, but I just answered my own question. (laughs) Lead me. Follow me or get out of my way. General George S. Patton Jr. So at the beginning of each chapter, it has a list of what it's like to be an and then whatever number. So at the front of this chapter, it says what it's like to be an eight. It's kind of like you might be a redneck if. Yes. yes. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. So we're just going to read off a couple of these. But there's a whole list, this whole page is filled up of attributes of what it's like to be an eight. So we're just going to read a couple. Um, Just know that sometimes a lot of these things could resonate with you, but you might not be that number. So if you are thinking, wow, I'm kind of a lot of these, then maybe eight's your thing. So we'll see. Again, please read the book so you can see all 20 of these because we're only going to read five. And I would just also recommend when we go, when you're looking at these numbers, don't circle the ones that you want to be. There will be a time for that. But just what are you most often, if you're being truly honest Mm -hmm. with yourself? Or what does your significant other say to you? Yes. If (laughs) your mom was spelling this out about you, what would she put? Right. Hers might be skewed, though, because they unconditionally love love. you. You need to, like, pick your spouse whenever y'all have been in a little skirmish there and see what they (laughs) Yes. Okay. So, for example, one might be an example of an eight would be, I enjoy a good verbal, verbal skirmish just to see what others are made out of. Or, I can sniff out other people's weaknesses the first time I meet them. Saying no isn't a problem for me. When I walk into a room, I know immediately who has the most power. I don't have much respect for people who don't stand up for themselves. So again, those are just a few of the entire list. So if you're like, yeah, yeah, man, th- then you might be an eight. So, again, make sure you get your own copy. So, I, I want to just go ahead and put it out there. Morgan, my husband, is an eight. And reading this book, I was like, man, he just needs to pick himself up a copy and just go <laughs> ahead and read this. And I find myself thinking a lot of these things, like the one where it's like, I enjoy a good verbal skirmish just to see what others are made of. And another one talks about uh, standing up for yourself. Morgan's like, Eights are typically like, hey, why don't you get back here and fight with me? Like, let's go. We're trying to work this out. Don't walk away or whatever it is that some other people do. So I'm usually like, I need to think about this before I say anything because I might just say something. And he's like, we'll say it. Like, no, that's, I got to think about it first. Yeah. Sometimes when I'm in a conversation with Morgan, I feel like he's about to pick the other side just so we can debate this out. And so then... I'll pick the side I think he would have had more, like, ammunition for. Um, I know he won't listen to this. Maybe he will. Um, (laughs) So that way it can just be a shorter debate. Right. Oh, I will never forget. I guess it was, it wasn't too long ago, maybe a couple weeks ago, we were eating at Oscar Delta with our CG. And the three of us, me, you, and Morgan, we were walking out the door. Jacob was behind us at some point. And Morgan was saying something, and you just, you weren't talking to me, but you just, we were walking together, and you kind of turn around, and you were about to say something, and you just whispered, confrontation is love. And then you said whatever it was that you said said to Morgan. I have to remind myself (laughs) that when he's being confrontational, it's just how he shows his love. Yes. Yes. And if I would have read this part of the book when we first got married, 
what? It would have been so much different. (laughs) It would have been a little bit of a smoother start, but it's just so funny that your confrontation is love. And then you just hit him with whatever you were going to say back. Yes. It cracks me up. He likes it. (laughs) He does. He's an eight. So shout out to all the eights out there that know that they're eights. Okay, so after it gives that little list, then it talks about what a healthy eight looks like, what an average eight looks like, and what an unhealthy eight looks like. So that's interesting in itself because I think, again, depending on the week or the day or the season, whether you like it or not, you might be an unhealthy eight or you might be a healthy eight if you're feeling great. So Yeah, so to reiterate what we said in the last episode, there's not like good numbers and bad numbers So an eight can be a challenger, and while challenger might have a negative connotation to some people... Not to eights. (laughs) They're like, yeah. Eights, I just need you to settle down. (laughs) Um, You can have, again, the deadly sin and the virtue. You can have any of these characteristics and be healthy and like a wonderful person. So we're not knocking any numbers. And if you're offended by any of the names, just know that you are probably that number. Well, <laughs> yes, but you can be the healthy version. Yes. So there's a little like bonus. Silver lining. Yes, yeah, that word, funny. that phrase. There mm-hmm. you go. All right. So healthy eights, they are great friends, exceptional leaders. Those are the guys that you want on your team. When they are ready to rally, they, they don't stand down which is great. You want that guy getting your back every time. Especially if that's not your personality. It's nice to have someone in the family or someone on the team that can do that. That's true. And so average eights are more steamrolly, so they might be a little bit pushy with their decisions. Or if they're unaware that they're an eight, if someone asks a group of people an opinion, they're going to be the first one to say something because, number one, they think they're right, which... I'm sure you're saying, because I am. So you might be, right? Uh, But you also, you don't realize how much influence you might have over other people. So they'll immediately agree with you. Mm -hmm. And then we have the unhealthy eights. They're preoccupied with that they're going to be betrayed. So one of the, if you want to break an eight's heart, it would be being disloyal or betraying them somehow. That's because it takes so much for them to gain someone's trust or, well, as in like free them to be able to trust you that breaking that is just the the worst thing imaginable. So that would be, that's just a little glimpse, healthy, average, unhealthy. So that's how that works. I also like how it talked about unhealthy eights um, believe they can change reality and make their own rules. And it reminds me that of a blog post you recently shared um, that you had written on our site And it was about um, fighting fairly. Yeah, so that one, I think it was called the five rules of fair fighting. Whatever it was that, so uh, from the beginning. We'll put it in the show notes. Yes, (laughs) it's a fabulous article, so fabulous. I can't even remember what I called it, but it's good. (laughs) It's about fair fighting, uh, which I think everyone needs to establish ground rules. Just boundaries. Boundaries are healthy. No matter what number you are. Right, and so we came up with, we agreed upon a list of, and we just made a simple five to keep up with so you can go and read the article but a couple of them so one that's super applicable for Morgan being an eight is no name calling slash yelling and not that he's a name caller or yells but eights tend to operate 10 volumes too loudly so I'm it's me I feel like I'm the nagging wife like can you turn the tv down or why is your phone so loud like he just or when he talks or when he gets excited about something it's just so loud so having that just little easy rule of no yelling it really helps him understand like oh my normal talking or my excited talk is really loud so I have to really be me uh, aware of toning it down especially when I'm excited or frustrated or whatever emotion you're feeling so that's the big one that we made for him and the big one we made for me was no bringing up past experiences or past fights because I'm a one, and so my deadly sins, resentment, and we'll get to that later. So, again, I, the past stuff, just grudge holding or still being frustrated at, remember that one time seven years ago? when No, if it's already forgiven, then be done with it. So, again, go back and read that article. It has more fair fighting rules. Take it, tweak it, whatever works for you. So, that's how that works. 
Alright, so let's talk about eight's deadly sin. Eight's deadly sin is lust. And when you hear that, you might think of like intimacy, um, like romantic novels, but that's not <laughs> exactly where we're going. Here's what it says. Eights are intense, excessive people who want to be in control and project their strength to mask weakness or vulnerable feelings. Right. So, again, lust in the sense of uh, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to go big or go home, kind of. So if I'm going to have one drink, I'm going to get drunk. Or if I'm going to have a candy bar, I'm going to have five candy bars if it's readily accessible. I'm just going to take the box with me. Mm -hmm. So it's more of the wanting to have more and more and more, uh, that intense just hunger for it. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's what we mean when we say that. So it's not necessarily, I mean, it could be sexual if that's your vice right there, but just so if you know that you're an eight, then maybe you can protect yourself from that and you can see if it's creeping up or whatever, you can shut it down. So that's kind of how that sin works. So that sounds a lot like what we discussed earlier with an unhealthy eight. And so a healthy eight might demonstrate the virtue of chastity. Again, Listen to the context here. It says eights can moderate their intensity, excessiveness, and need for control and recognize the value of vulnerability. Right, so going back to that self-control. And eights do, they. it's not necessarily that they have to control everything. That might be like a one, like me. But they're more of just, I don't care what we're doing for dinner. I just don't want to have to worry about trying to figure it out. So if you want to take that role, take it and run. Or if you want me to be in charge of this, yes, then, I, then I'm going to do it my way. So, again, that's how you can kind of work with an eight when that's happening. Yeah, I think you've said this before, that eights either, they don't mind being in control, but they want to make sure someone's in control. Yeah, I just need to know what's going on. Mm -hmm. And uh, that you have to just communicate because sometimes they might not say it. From my experience yeah. with being married to an eight and... That's not how, again, that's not how all eights work. Not all eights are like Morgan. Again, think shades of a color. So now at this point in the chapter, it'll talk about eights as children, um, eights in relationships. Um, it'll give um, their work. Some, yeah, their work environment and just a little more elaboration on being an eight. Right, so we wanted to kind of finish the eights talking about their wings, stress security, and then some spiritual transformation. And again, just, or growth points, we could just call it that if the word spiritual uh, hurts you a little bit, I guess. So growth points. <laughs> so, okay, wings. So remember the visual. Wings for eights are seven and nine. And there's a little section in there and it says eights with a seven wing can look like this or eights with a nine wing can look like this. So again, that, that just really helps kind of make it even more specific for you depending yeah. on your personality type. So if you think you're an eight, but you're like, ah, I just not totally buying in when you get to the section on wings, that might give you a hint towards whether again, you're an eight wing seven or eight wing nine. Or you can be a penguin or an ostrich. Yeah, that and does not, not fly. fly. Just depends on you. See, that's confusing though. They have wings. Maybe <laughs> hmm. <laughs> an egg with no wings. Okay. We'll figure something out. <laughs> and then the, the section right after that is stress and security. So what we already mentioned before, eights will gravitate towards the number five when they are feeling stressed. So they're going to take on those negative aspects like withdrawing, stonewalling, um, it can lead to insomnia, uh, just, and you can read more about how that can look, not necessarily all oh, eights have insomnia, so that's just a way it could look, a way it could manifest. Same thing with security, um, you move to a two, so you can be extremely caring and thoughtful of other people, so, which is why eights are awesome spouses, because they know exactly how to help you, and that's great, and they're doers, so they want to do it. Yeah, I kind of think of, like, the first one that's got your back yes. in a situation. A million percent. He's my first phone call. Yeah, and is not going to tolerate anyone treating you any less than, you know, you should be right. treated on a pedestal. So something that me and Morgan finally figured out what to do is sometimes I need a pep talk. 
And I call, I usually text them. I'm like, all right, Morgan, I'm going to need a pep talk in about 13 minutes because, of course, I'm going to give an exact time. And so, and I always say about, like, it'll be about 7.3 minutes. <laughs> and so then, and he'll either be like, okay, what's it about? Or, um, or he might not. And so whenever I call him, he'll just, he's my hype man. He's, he knows, he's like, okay, I got to be her hype man. He's like, you're awesome. You're so great at this. And you're so hot. And I'm like, thanks, babe. And he's like, now go kick everybody's butt. I'm like, yeah. I so, like it. A little bit of that lust coming uh, out. See, yeah, it's super intense. He's like, all right, let me get pumped up for this. So again, eights are extremely valuable to everybody. If you need a pep talk, you need to call an eight. But give them a heads up so they can figure out what you need and get their mind right for it. So again, we encourage you guys to hear all the numbers for all the reasons, but when you think you've found your number, you might go reread um, the, your stress number and your security number. Oh, we also sent out some survey questions to some of our friends who have done the Enneagram, and we did have an eight respond. Um, and we gave him a few questions like, how did you know that no, this number was you? And so this eight was like, uh, I read the list at the beginning of the chapter and it was absolutely me, especially the picking out the weakest in the room or whatever it was. That was an eight thing. I'm like, mm-hmm. wow, people actually do that. That's crazy. Um, he also said if he could give advice to someone who didn't know their number, he was like, just do the research. It's worth it. Um, another question we said, what would you say to a skeptical personality? Um, uh, it, he likes how it talks about internalizing some things or externalizing some things. So again, it's just really catered to your personality there. We asked him how did it affect how he sees himself and his surroundings. He said it helped him reinforce that he needs to be better at expressing his feelings. He's married to a different number, so, and who needs to hear those feelings. So that's helped his marriage there. Um, and we just asked him a couple of other questions. We can leave the rest of it in the show notes, but that was really fun hearing from some other eights other than Morgan. Yes. Cause so. surprise, we are not eights. <laughs> if you haven't picked up that vibe, the last part we wanted to close with would be the transformation slash growth point. In the book, they give you 10 paths for eights. 10 paths for nines, 10 paths for ones. So we highly recommend, and this is something we give you in your workbook, um, what is one of the things you could do right now to start with your growth? So if I'm just, let me just read off one of them. Broaden your definition of strength and courage to include vulnerability. Risk sharing your heart at deeper levels with someone in your life. So again, this is a growth point which could be applicable for anybody. So if you're like, I'm not sure if an, I'm an eight, but this could help you. This could help any number. Uh, but particularly, it hurts an eight a little bit more because they don't like to be vulnerable. Yeah, so. you might pick one you can kind of knock out of the park in a couple of weeks just for a little confidence yeah. builder. Right. Or one, an eight would probably just go for the hardest one right. and uh, he, take it on. They are the challengers. Give yep. me the hardest one. So, again, that's just how the chapters work. That's how eights kind of work. We highly recommend you read the book and discover it on your own. Do the workbook along with us. That'll be great. And so now we're going to go on to number nine. All right. Type nine, the peacemaker. You cannot find peace by avoiding life. Virginia Woolf. Ratting you out, Farron, this is your number. So <laughs> as we go through this list of what it's like to be a nine, try not to cringe too badly. It's already happening. It's exposing you. Everyone knows now. All right. Hit us with the first one. All right. What it's like to be a nine. Sometimes I get lost in doing trivial tasks while things that really need to get done get put off. I often choose the path of least resistance. I don't enjoy big social gatherings as much as a quiet evening at home with the ones I love. I am often quietly stubborn when people put demands on me. Okay. (laughs) It would feel selfish to spend a whole day doing whatever I wanted to do. Well, you only cringed once, so... Um, Out loud. Externally. (laughs) Yes. That's right. Okay. So we're just going to rip the band-aid, Farron. So feel free to interject, but you can't hide can't hide here i am here you are vulnerable proud of you okay healthy average and unhealthy so healthy nines they are fantastic mediators the great thing about what i love about nines is that they are able 
to see everybody's perspective. And that's why you're the best best friend, because sometimes I am so tunnel vision thinking I'm right. It's black and white. And you're like, well, <laughs> have you thought of it this way? I'm like, yes. but I can't be mad at you because you're my best friend. So those conversations usually go just like that. <laughs> And I cringe when you say, well, I mean, what do you think? And I'm like, well, and then you go, oh, (laughs) just like that every time. Yes. Uh, Okay. So average nines, you can come off as sweet and easygoing, uh, but sometimes you're a little bit stubborn and uh, out of touch with the anger in it. So it looks more of like you could be annoyed at something. So eights, so we're all eight nines, ones, anger triads. So Eights externalize their anger. So you can tell they're red in the face, they're loud when they're upset. Nines are more annoyed. And their face might not say it, but in their head they're like, oh my gosh, look at her eating those crackers like that. (laughs) You chew loudly, we can't be friends. That's not the first time we've talked about mouth, open mouth chewers. (laughs) (laughs) I hope it's the last. Uh, it won't be. I'll be sure to bring it up. <laughs> and then so, and then the ones, they internalize the anger. So that's more of resentment. Uh, so again, it's the outside forgetting about it, annoyed, and then the inside. That's how 891 deal with their anger. So nines, you, Farron, um, you all would feel a little bit annoyed with some things. Mm-hmm. I like what it said in the average nines, too, about we are much willing to stand up for others. But we would not do that for ourselves. Which is so crazy. Like, mm-hmm. you'll go to bat for anybody. But then, mm-hmm. if we're like, okay, what about you? Like, nah, I'm good. Yeah. What? <laughs> like, I love that part about my job. Um, I assess kiddos for dyslexia. Or, you know, I'm in ARD meetings all the time talking about, you know, what would best benefit the child. And, you know, I have no problem talking to teachers and voicing my opinion is what it really is. I mean, of course, very nicely so as not to ruffle any feathers or offend anybody. Uh, But the second it comes to me, I'm just like, no, I'm fine. It's good. No, Mm -hmm. we're good. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I'll stew about it later. Oh, boo. But I do like standing up for others. I do often find myself wishing I could do it more for myself. Well, you call the eights in your life, and they'll give you a pep talk, and you'll be fired up. And yeah, then... see, they scare me, but there's a little <laughs> bit of admiration. Like, there you man, go. I wish I had a little bit of that. <laughs> Wing to the eight, then. Oh. Uh, unhealthy nines, they're the ones who have really hard times making decisions, and they end up just constantly going with the flow and becoming dependent on other people to make the decisions. That could look like... Someone on Facebook saying, I don't know what to do. Y'all tell me what I should do. And asking the entire internet population what they should do. So that, and again, not necessarily all nines do that or unhealthy nines. It could be another number that does that too. Um, But that's how that looks. They're overly dependent on someone else to make decisions because they just can't. Their brain is overwhelmed with thinking of all of the other possibilities and how these other people are feeling and Moving on, and eights are like, what are feelings? (laughs) Well, I've definitely gotten to that point before. And, I mean, it could be like, Farron, what do you want to do for Tori's birthday party? And I'm like, I don't even care what you just pick for me. And my mom's like, what? No. What? This really? No. (laughs) (laughs) I think you should really take the the reins on this one. I've started many conversations with my parents or Jacob, and I'm like, Okay, I'm about to tell you something, and you just need a pick. I don't even want to think about it. You just decide. And so, yeah. At least you preface it that way, so that way the person knows. Instead of, like, am I trying to fix a problem? Am I trying to, what do you want me to do? But, like, when I read that, I was just like, oh, so, again, are there other nines out there that do that, too? Right, right. All right, nines' deadly sin is sloth. Mm. So, again, that's not necessarily physical laziness or climbing on trees very slowly with or three toes. on yourself. Yeah. <laughs> if you're that Are you an incontinent slot? nine? <laughs> that's not funny. Uh, we, I mean, we don't funny. have to, any postpartum moms out there that oh, are also nines. Gosh. Maybe you do meet all those qualifications right there for being a literal sloth. 
Okay. It's not funny till it happens to you. Right. And what's interesting is, so nines can also have competitive fire. Farron, you're one of the most competitive nines I know. <laughs> Slash, you are an extremely competitive person. So, again, just because nines can be passive with some things, do not get in her way on a soccer field um, because it will not be good for you. So there's that. Yeah. Um, I like how it said that um, nines are slothful when it comes to paying attention to their own lives and chasing their own dreams. I find myself most competitive when if we win, it's going to help a lot of other people. Oh, that's so interesting. Mm-hmm. So, so if I like not individual competition, I like team competition. Yeah. So Interesting. So if you have nines who work for you, or if you are coaching a nine, then it would be valuable to make it a team, a team effort. That would be good. I like that. What was I going to say? I don't know. I had such a great comment. I know, you me know. too. And then I got really excited about what you yeah, said. Yeah, threw you off. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to try to read. Oh, nines need to avoid conflict at all costs. Y'all Literally. are. Yeah, and it's the peacemaker. So it makes sense that you, conflict is the opposite of things you want to be around. You don't like to hear it, which is interesting because you do like reality TV. So is it just because it's you don't? Like, I it's like, I like eights. Like I like, <laughs> just, I like it. It's just not me. Yeah, yeah. I'll watch the train wreck. I just don't want to be in it. No, there are times that I know I'm a hundred percent right, one hundred percent right, <laughs> and I will just go along until they realize that they are not right, and then I get really uncomfortable when they're like, "You were right. Why didn't you like <laughs> say it more?" And I'm like, "I don't know. I just you were operating too loudly." <gasps> oh, gosh. Yes, so then I am not the peacemaker because apparently I should have been more adamant that I was right at the beginning. Anyways, it's... You can't make everybody happy. You're not pizza. Okay. <sighs> I know. We talked Gluten about party. Free. Oh, right. There we, go. <laughs> we talked about party starters a lot today, more than our usual. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a fun story in itself. Anyway, so the rest of the chapter goes through the same things we talked about through childhood, through relationships, through work. And so now we're going to get to the stress and secure. So when nines, you are stressed, you guys go to sixes. Mm. So, oh wait, we talked about wings first. We can talk about wings first. Yeah, let's talk about wings first. All right, so nines with an eight wing and then nines with a one wing. So, Farron, you want to talk about your wing personally? (sighs) I mean, I might as well. What else do y'all not know about me? (laughs) No, I... Am a nine wing one. All right, so and ones we'll talk about that next. Yeah. So that'll make a little bit more sense, and you can speak into that. But yeah. definitely not a nine wing eight. <laughs> right. I admire the eights, but I do not have those qualities yet. The healthy qualities, but maybe someday. There you go. Okay, so those are the wings: stress and security. So whenever. Farron, you or other fellow nines are stressed, you will go to the six. So that's loyalist. So that can mean you're overcommitted. You've said yes to way too many things, and now you're, uh-oh, I've said, uh, well, I've, my calendar's all booked. I don't know what to do now. Or having to cancel, which is also a conflict to you guys. So that can also hurt you internally as well. Um, you worry, you get rigid, that kind of stuff. So that's how nines feel whenever they're stressed out mm-hmm. and I know some of these characteristics will come up in um, other numbers when they're under stress obviously these words go along with it the worry and the anxiety but that is something that um, I have dealt with in the past and I continue to work on because it can it can be completely debilitating already struggling to make decisions because you're trying to make everybody happy and also be true to what you're doing Um, But then when stress and anxiety and worry creep in, it really can even, it just becomes debilitating. Right. Okay, so security. When y'all are feeling good, maybe you're in a peak and not a valley, you guys are going to take on the positive side of threes. So that's performer. So you're more goal-oriented, decisive, confident, in touch with what needs to happen, uh, and more decisive on just what needs to go on throughout the day, little decisions, big decisions, workflow, all that good stuff. Yeah. And sometimes I can like turn this on. It seems like too. interesting. Like when people 
tell me that I seem just like I got it all going and you're just like the chillest person ever. I'm like, you're not in my brain right now, but I'm going to agree with you because I'm the peacemaker. (laughs) Sure, that's what you say. Sounds great. Oh, man. Yeah. Okay, so 10 past the transformation for nines. Again, it gives you 10 growth points that you can use. Again, we suggest pick one that you feel confident in, or maybe if you need a small win to get it rolling, do that. Or if you want to be the eight, channel your eight wing and find the hardest one on this list, go for it. So one of them is journaling on the question, what's my calling or life's program? Am I pursuing it or postponing it? just to keep the peace. Mm. So I feel like that's a super loaded question, (laughs) by the way. But even just journaling in general, uh, and that's a big thing that we encourage anyway here. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think what's what's your calling? That's a huge question that so many people have. Like, why are we even here? I mean, we know why we're here, uh, but not everyone has that direction. Yeah, and there was some really good advice on pursuing that question in our last book study on um, John Maxwell's 15 Invaluable Laws of Personal Growth. So if you want to dive deeper into that question, whether you're a nine or not, you should go back and check that out. I will tell you that I'm working on number five, which says, don't be afraid to have an opinion and express it. And I have started with small things and going up. Okay, so what's what was a practical application, if you don't mind sharing, that can kind of yes. give us an example of what could this look like? Yes, so I really do love many aspects of my job. Many of the things that I get to do, I would probably do for free. Um, and so in being the peacemaker, though, one thing I don't do a good job of doing is letting people know when I need help. Um, and it's not because I don't want them to think I can't do it or I'm not smart enough or good enough it comes more from a place of I don't want to be a bother or a burden to someone else to have them do it but a lot of times in my stubbornness and agreeing to you know yeah okay I'll do it and I'm like really something else why are they doing oh you know you said yes we didn't know in that I often come up with a a better solution or faster way or suggestion and so I'm trying to bring that up either in the moment or if it's more appropriate to come back later and suggest or express my opinions or ideas right well and you had a blog post maybe it was three-ish weeks ago but it was how what to say to an overwhelmed co-worker I think was it Mm -hmm. as specific as co-worker but there were like seven to ten things on there on specific things to say to someone you're working with who is overwhelmed so uh, that speaks into a lot of your personality because a lot of times like you said we're not in your head so we don't know that you're feeling overwhelmed but if we can kind of get to know that you're a nine and we can know to ask those questions so again Mm -hmm. not only personal growth with yourself and knowing your number but back to what you're saying Farron, knowing other people's numbers so you can ask them and we'll link that article in there as well because that one was really good I didn't realize I needed to that was brand new information to me (laughs) oh insight to my best friend I feel like I should have known all these things uh, but I don't see you in that work environment so writing you a handbook so we can be even better no (laughs) but I would coming to the shop soon (laughs) (laughs) best friend handbook oh write it down so we don't forget later you've heard it first on this day we teased it intentionally. It's kind of like Sheldon Cooper and the best friend or the roommate clause, whatever they have. Yes, mm-hmm. the contract. Yes. yes. Um, well, I um, would be interested to to see if any numbers have anything to add to that blog post as well. So, yeah. if you're reading it and you're like, uh, "Why'd you leave this one off here?" Uh, go ahead and comment because I'm sure there's another number thinking the same thing. That's true. Okay, we're moving on to the. Number one. Yeah, type Mm. one, the perfectionist. Mm -hmm. You've gotten really quiet and Uh, (laughs) shifted in your seat. Yes, I didn't realize I was physically starting to shut off. Like I just put my hand on my head and pulled my shoulders in. So let me read the quote and then we'll get into what it's like to be a one. So here's the quote. Perfectionism is the voice of the oppressor, the enemy of the people. Anne Lamott. Well, I just feel better already. You're reading that uh, perfectionism 
is the voice of the oppressor. I feel good. Yeah, that's comforting. Okay. Everyone loves oppressors. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Go ones. So what was interesting about this, I'm looking back at my notes when I read this with my book study group last spring. And at the beginning of each chapter, we would all, we had Jenna, the nine, read off each one of the points and we would raise our hand if that was us. So I'm looking at my one list and I have checked off every single thing except for number 16 and number 18. And even though like 18 is like, I like routine and don't readily embrace change. Like change is fine with me, uh, but I love routine. So I, I guess I'm all except one and a half of them. So let's read some of these awkward ones. I'm going to feel super awkward, but here we go. What it's like to be a one. I beat myself up when I make mistakes. I don't feel comfortable when I try to relax. There is too much to be done. I don't like it when people ignore or break the rules. Like when the person in the fast lane at the grocery store has more items than allowed. It is hard for me to let go of resentment. I do my best when working on a project, and I wish others would do the same, so I wouldn't have to redo their work. <laughs> it's just now, so bad. I just want to remind y'all that I am a nine-wing one, and so there's a lot of these that I'm like, preach, especially like the breaking the rules. If we are standing in a line at an amusement park or anywhere, oh, don't cut. Don't cut. There are rules for a reason. That's what I'm trying to tell my kids. And Sloan said it back the other day. She was like, there are rules for a reason. I'm like, yeah, that's right. (laughs) And I think that one is definitely a one thing, but it plays nicely back with the peacemaker. Because if you cut, then everyone's going to start cutting. And what is this world going to turn into (laughs) if we can't even stand in line? I don't know. It just (laughs) escalates quickly. Wow. Okay, so healthy, (laughs) average, and unhealthy. All right, so healthy ones committed to a life of service and integrity. They're principled and patient with the process. So there's that. I feel like I'm super boring. I feel like... (laughs) (laughs) But I would just want to say ones can be fun too. So there's that. Uh, Average ones... They have judging and comparing minds that naturally spot errors and imperfections. So that makes me think of like the plank in your eye and the speck in the other guy's eye. Um, So there's that. And then unhealthy ones, they fixate on the small imperfections. Like everything else could be right except for that one thing. So Have you ever gotten an appraisal? And they spend the whole time, I'm sure, telling you how awesome you are. (laughs) And, like, they probably, they, like, have to tell you something to work on, right? hmm And you walk out of there, and you're like, what the heck? Yep. I'm a terrible teacher. I shouldn't be uh-huh. doing this anymore. Well, well, and I'm super confrontational, so in my head, I'm like, okay, prove it. I did this, 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 In this. your head? Uh, or? In my head. What about your face? My face is, is different. <laughs> it, oh, I am so I say it because I love you. Um, See, it is exciting to be a woman. <laughs> <laughs> exciting, yes. So exciting. I'm really excited to talk more about myself on this episode. Okay, so Deadly Sin of Ones. Hit me with it, Farron. Deadly Sin. You know, that's in my other book, <laughs> so I'm going to need you to... I can, I can just jump in. Uh, yeah, tell us about yourself, and okay. I'll see if you're right or wrong. So, <laughs> I, the deadly sin is anger. Yeah, you're right. It's oh, ones hey. compulsively... Ones like to be right, so... Yeah, like compulsively strive to perfect the world and become chronically resentful towards those who cannot live up to their standards. Sorry. That's the Particularly, hard part. Particularly... <laughs> Hold on. Particularly themselves. Boom. Ouch. Gosh. That's the worst part. What I didn't realize until I read this book was all the self-talk in my head. Of course, you you hear self-talk all the time, and so you're active in being positive, positively phrasing things, but I didn't ever think about it being according to mistakes. So my negative self-talk, I realized that it was coming from mistakes like it would be 3 a.m can't go to sleep and then I remember from four years ago with that interview question and I didn't answer it perfectly what 
why am I still thinking about that? Mm-hmm. That is completely irrelevant. I don't understand. Yeah. So things like that, the inner critic, and I, I don't think people understand how much ones beat themselves up. So whenever someone else is like, you messed that up, you're just like, I know. <laughs> you sound like a demon because you're angry, and then you're mad at that person. Like, did they not realize that I made the mistake and I knew it, and I tried to be nice and be like, oh, I make mistakes too, but really I hate making mistakes. Yes. So. So, and that's a good reminder that, again, one is under that anger gut triad. Lots of anger. Yes. But, you know, you mean well. Oh, thanks. So it's, <laughs> it's almost like it's anger exponentially because we're in the anger triad, but then the deadly sin is also anger. So I, I used soccer as an outlet for a long time, which now people are like, oh, if you played soccer with me. So I was thinking about this today. We were in an alumni game. One of the ones like 10 years ago. We played so many. We're so old. (laughs) This was like a decade ago. But uh, there was, I was going up against a forward. So in my head, I'm a defender, which is perfect for an anger outlet. You needed to smash some people, Hulk smash. Like me. I'm so sorry, Farron. But what's funny is now hearing you talk about it, all I really cared about was winning and getting the ball. Mm -hmm. I didn't care about anyone's feelings because I wanted to win. You did utter a couple sorries. To you. Me. And to some peers. You sleep in the same dorm as me. But certainly not like the opponent. Like, I don't care. Oh, no. So Mm -hmm. it's just, yeah. So... I apologize. I was thinking about that one. Again, the evil voice in my head. I've named her Lucy, so short for Lucifer. So I'm like, you shut it up, Lucy. Not today. Yes, I like it. it, That's just a little tip that it suggests in the book is to name your inner critic and then just be like, okay, shut it, Cruella, I think is the example they use. So uh, Lucy's my girl, and i got to kick her out of my head sometimes. But... I was thinking about in soccer, in an alumni, alumni game, one of the younger forwards who was still on the team, we went and I I was going for the ball and I don't remember what really happened, but she was on the ground and she was like, oh my gosh, Brooke. And I was just like, I'm, wh- I'm sorry. I just, and then I didn't know what to do because I was like, I don't want to damage the relationship, but we're also in a game. And so I the black and white thinking, again, with a one, is really hard to kind of combat whenever we're friends, but we're playing against each other. And now I think I might have hurt this person, so now I feel bad. And then Lucy's talking in my head, and so this is making me uncomfortable. Oh, you know, I'm so sorry. Not to steal your oneness thunder right now. Steal it, please. I feel uncomfortable. But I cannot stand in movies when the is it called the climax where everything goes wrong. Yes. Um, like I cannot watch the movie Meet the Fockers because <laughs> so much goes wrong and I squirm and I cannot watch it. I cannot. So there are several movies that I just when it, I and I know the character's gonna usually come out right at the end, but I cannot watch shows with confrontation. And so hearing you tell that story, I'm like Oh no! What'd you say? Is she happy now? <laughs> no, I don't know. I just, so we're still friends on Facebook, and I try to okay, like, say okay. nice things. And okay. but in my head, I'm like, is she thinking about that time <laughs> no. ten years ago where I accidentally bumped her and she fell down? And ah, uh, so I'm sorry, person. You may know who you are, or am I talking to all the Fords? Did I do that to I all mean, the Fords? I'm I mean. so sorry. Yeah, I don't know. I've had some issues. I'm trying to work through it. Just yeah. More on that later. Okay. You help toughen us up. The I'm good news sorry. is that there's a countering virtue. Oh, what is it? Because I need help. Um, well, it's patience. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it could have been anything else. Let me just... But I don't have time for that. Let me let you know what patience is, Brooke. It says, <laughs> ones can learn to accept that there's more than one way to do things. Are you sure? And have more patience with the world uh-huh. and themselves for being imperfect. I might just need you to say that to me every day the rest of my life. I'll make you a sign. So, thanks. You can hang it in your bathroom. Great. I feel good about this. Patience, that's really the virtue. You couldn't give me anything else. 
not like I did not write this book. Uh, Listen, Ian Morgan Cron and Suzanne Stabile, you give me a different virtue because I can't handle any more patience. (laughs) Well, and all the ones said amen. (laughs) Anyway, we can skip over the rest of this chapter and skip right on to the wings. So wings, remember, wing for a one would be nine, which is you, Farron, and then to a two, which is the helper. You're my wing girl. Like, we're each Yes. Oh, Are you well. Maverick or are you Goose? I'll be whatever you don't want to be. What a nine answer. <laughs> I really didn't mean to say that, That's but... That's so funny. There it's just, it is. It's natural. I can't help it. Uh, well, um, all the ones know what I would pick, so it's fine. Okay. So, wings. Nines and ones. You can read about that there. I've already mentioned that I don't fly. I'm pretty much a one because the helper side, I'm just like... Do it yourself, yeah. or or ask the helper to do it. Yeah. And then with the nines, uh, I feel like I'm a little more aggressive slash. I think I'm more of an angrier one than other ones, but you know reasons. So stress and security, stress. So ones will go to a four, which is the romantic. So for me personally, that looks like I'm spiraling out of control with my thoughts. Like, I am stuck in a funk. I can't get out of it. I just feel sad and don't know why. Or I do know why and I'm mad about it. But Or I can't get myself out of the pit kind of thing. And I should be able to do it myself because I got myself in it. Uh, so that's how I feel when I'm stressed out. I would just add another word for the fours aside from romantic is the individualist. Just for any of our guys listening that are like, eh, romance. Gross. True. Individualist, because there's no one else like you. <laughs> You'll see why Farron's laughing later. And then security, ones go to sevens, which are the enthusiast, which is great. One of my best friends is a seven. Shout out, Emily. But it's it's just, I love it when I'm in a good place, because then that's the fun. See? It says right there, spontaneous, <laughs> fun, trying new things. See, ones can be fun when they're not stressed out. So there, remove all the stressors. There is potential. And if anyone is listening to this that knows my mom, she is also a seven. We'll talk more about yes. her in sevens when we get there. I feel like listening to episode six, you could just immediately yes. tell. She just oozes the awesomeness of yes. a seven, which is great. I love it. What number is your mom? She's a one. Okay. So lots Perfect. of ones. My brother's a one. My mom's a one. Morgan's an eight, my dad's an eight. So we're just ones and eights, and and there's that. Okay, spiritual transformation. This is the one. So again, we encourage you to pick one thing you're trying to work on. So one of the things that I have checked off from my notes is number four, and that says, when you are ready to dive right in to correct an injustice or right or wrong, first ask yourself whether the passion you feel for that issue is really misplaced anger about something else. Mm. Oh, that one hurts me just reading out loud. Um, because I am, I I love justice. I love avenging and all that kind of stuff. So, I don't know. I just, I love seeing it come full circle and be like, aha, karma. But that's really not good for, Mm -hmm. that's not healthy. That is not a healthy thing. So I would say that is where that resentment comes in. And it's been, oh, okay. So tip for ones, and I need to make these for all the numbers, but um, so our deadly sin is anger. So one, this, there had been an issue going on for some years because I can't freaking let it go. And so I decided, I was like, okay, I've tried all these things to try to get rid of my resentment. So I was like, okay, God, you just have to take it from me. So clearly I can't do it by myself. I need you to do it. Which, why didn't I do that in the first place? I don't know. So I made a bunch of note cards with all of the anger Bible verses on it. And so anytime I was mad about something that happened in the past or that resentment was creeping back in, I would flip through those flashcards and I was like, I'm going to memorize these by the end of the day. So there's that. So that was one of the things that helped me. I would be in that for my number. So, and and maybe that can be a thing we can make and give to you guys. But uh, that was something that was really helpful. And thank you, Jesus, for the idea. Because that that helped calm me down, too. Because if you move note cards too fast, you get a paper cut. So you have to calm down. It forces you to do that. (laughs) So (laughs) 
just yeah. a little side note. Well, I've had an experience with that, too, recently. Um, my oldest, who's too wise for her age, and I mean, I mean that not sarcastically, but she, whenever I tell them that they need to stop and clean up, she just brought it to my attention. She's like, why are you always so angry? I mean, she said it a little nicer, but this is how I heard it. Why are you always so angry whenever you ask us to clean up? It's not like we forgot yet. <laughs> and I was like, uh, and so I was like, okay, I'm sorry. You need to clean. We'll talk about it later because she's also smart to like have a deep conversation to get out of cleaning. And so anyways, <laughs> when I walked away, I realized like it is, it's resentment on, they have so much stuff and they don't take care of their things. And it's like. They've been spoiled, and I'm glad they've been spoiled, but that's that resentment piece and that they want to argue with me, and it's always going to be a fight with someone else in my family who's a kid that doesn't want to clean, and so Mm -hmm. resentment from previous times of having, so I just go into it just already mad and angry. Right. And so last night, they, I had to tell them three times, and I spoke in that creepy mom voice where you're like... <laughs> Dual vocal cord might be a demon kind yes. of creepy voice. <laughs> you're like, I told you to clean the room. And it's like, that wasn't mean, was it? I mean, I didn't yell. It was calm. <laughs> I don't know. Well, fun times. We do want to close the anger triad with some famous or fictional kind of number so if we're eights so talking about eights muhammad ali oh wait disclaimer these these are not people who are like i'm an eight so we're just speculating pulling some resources together it's not necessarily that they're an eight because again we don't know their motivation we're not in their head Mm -hmm. so if we're speculating and pulling some sources together so muhammad ali president snow from the hunger games Alistair Moody from Harry Potter. We've got Rhett Butler, Gone with the Wind. Magneto from X-Men. And the list goes on. So those are some types of eights. Yes, and so some fictional characters that could be nines would be like Harry Potter from Harry Potter. (laughs) (laughs) Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz. Um... Uh, Rue and Prim from The Hunger Games. Yeah, that's good. And then some fictional ones. You guessed it, Monica Geller from Friends. Atticus Finch from To Kill a Mockingbird. We've got Percy Weasley, Hermione Granger, Professor McGonagall. Are you comparing yourself to those people as you read them? (laughs) (laughs) You're suddenly way more excited. Uh, I mean, I'm also a super nerd, so Harry Potter's my jam. Shout out, Brittany. So, anyway, those are just some fictional slash Muhammad Ali was a real guy, but I don't know if he knows his Enneagram number, um, but that was from the book. Anyway, oh, Ned Stark, Game of Thrones people, he's a one, of course, which it's his blessing and his curse, obviously, if you've seen the show. So, sorry, Ned, there's that. Anyway, <laughs> that wraps up the anger triad, or the the gut triad the eights nines and ones the challenger the -hmm. peacemaker the perfectionist and next week we'll have twos threes and fours and we'll tell you what they are next time yes keep reading don't be discouraged if you don't think you fall into any of these categories and you might be surprised you might think you're one of these but wait till you read the whole book before you make that decision all right see you next time bye thanks for listening to the witty and gritty podcast Hosted by Brooke and Farron. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and our website, wittyandgritty.blog. Subscribe to our email list to get exclusive updates, freebies, and more. Keep tuning in to learn a little about a lot.